Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. For the perfect last-minute gift, check out Spa Finder. With Spa Finder, send a relaxing spa treatment straight to their inbox without leaving the house. Gift cards can be redeemed in-store at thousands of spas and salons nationwide or online at the Spa Finder Wellness Shop. Spa Finder gift cards contain no fees and never expire, making it a perfect gift you can't go wrong with. Go to spafinder.com slash podcast15 to save 15% or enter the promo code podcast15 at checkout. Hey, Collider fans, this is John Roca. If you like my show, you are going to love Shenanigans with Shayna Shea on Podcast One. Join everyone's favorite bartender from Vanderpump Rules as she shares juicy stories from behind the bar with amazing guests from Vanderpump and brings the bar to you. Check out Shenanigans with Shayna Shea every Tuesday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba. Spider-Verse. And once upon a Deadpool spoilers as well. And Aquaman making all of the money in the entire world and it hasn't even opened yet. That's all today on Collider Heroes. <laughs> That's my money dance. I want... It's just me getting showered with ones and Aquaman fatigue. It's going to be great. <laughs> I loved Aquaman, so I wanted to make all them ones and 20s. He's uh, earned it, Jason Momoa. He's earned it. Welcome back to Collider Heroes. <laughs> uh, it is episode 284, and we are once again joined by our friend Jay Washington. Hey. Hey, I, I just wanted to picture Koi <laughs> rained on by singles, which I don't know why it was in my head. But now you'll you, Koi, never not think about I'll that. never not think about Happy it. Happy holidays. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> now I'm glad to be back, man. It's fun to be back. It's the, thank you to Roka in the back with a nice level. And I like to say this camera accentuates this pink hoodie very well. It's beautiful, uh, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good skin. Uh, but now I'm glad to be back, you know, talk about some good movies and everything that's going on into the year. It's been a... 
this year's coming up with Christmas, then you get the end of the year. Everything's been a great year, 2018. So to come back around this time, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Pop culture's like we took all the good energy in the universe and we spent it on ourselves in 2018. <laughs> you remember that all of those doodles? All of those doodles you've liked throughout history? Here's the money for them. <laughs> Don't turn on the news. Go to the theater. It's safer there. Or turn on Fox, not the news channel. There's the gifted. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most specific recommendation. Because you got to be like, look, go to Fox. Not the news. And gifting is on. Because it's a great, the gift, it is great. Yeah, it's fun, man. You know, it's one of those shows. But, you know, you have these different shows, these different movies, everything that's come out this year. So to be back to talk with you guys about it, I love it. It warms my heart. And there's three big movies in theaters right now of the comic variety, which is crazy. Just at once, you can walk out of a superhero movie into another and another if you so choose. And then Mary Poppins, who probably counts. But then you have to think about that, too, because normally during the holiday, Christmas holiday, we're inundated with a Star Wars uh, or Harry Potter type film. Mm -hmm. And we have the superhero genres taking over this month. Yeah. You know, this season. So that's an amazing thing. Yeah, we swapped out wands for powers, like, in a, in a real way. Like, right now in the, in the holidays, is crazy. And uh, Did you say wongs? Wands. Oh, I was like, why You're are we still on the dollar bills? I was like, You're why are we swapping on. out wongs? I was like, that <laughs> no, is... No, wong stays. Like, <laughs> Unless he feels like peacing out, in which yeah, case he can come back you know, whenever. I gotta, I've got to go guard the... <laughs> <laughs> we, we still got to get past. Like, hey, man, you just was like, hey, look, y'all handle that. I'm going, I got something on the stove. I shouldn't even left. You know, <laughs> He's getting that sandwich. It's like, That's what he's doing. No, I got this shekels. Um. <laughs> so we should kick it off with Spider-Verse, one of the movies in theaters right now. We're going to do a spoiler review because now it is out. We've covered non-spoilers. We've given our thoughts. So if you haven't seen Spider-Verse yet, this is the warning. Uh, Spider-Verse. Have you seen What was this? This is so This is so This is so if you're fast-forwarding through the episode, you can like, be like, oh, right. we'll do it again at the end. It's okay. Good. I saw it. And I arguably believe it is one of the best Marvel movies ever done. I think it's one of the, my favorite movies. It's ever probably done, one of the favorite so I'm movies. I'm not about to fight you. Yeah, because it's, it's. I never. I expected it to be good. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I saw when we saw the trailers. The hype behind it. It was going to be good. The look was great. But the story, the way the look went through the whole thing, the soundtrack that I never expected them to have. When I heard uh, "Hypnotize" play. I was like, yo, we're playing Notorious B.I.G. for real mm-hmm. in a Sony animated Spider-Man movie. <laughs> we literally holding up to Brooklyn to see a weathered Peter Parker who's been through the storm. I think that's what helped it because it gave it a sense of realism. It's not like our Peter is just like, yeah, man, I'm living through life. I'm just chilling, swinging around. He's like, no, nah, I, I eat a couple of, you know, donuts and a lot of pizza and been divorced. And we haven't seen that in theatrical yet. We've never in seen it. In the comics, and we get saying, worn down We Peter. get it. But I just, love Straczynski's Peter. And that was the thing, too, about this. This looked like a comic book mm-hmm. come to life. It didn't look like a cheesy comic book. Even the opening graphics, when you get the Marvel and the Pascal Pierre, how it kept having the glitches from the different dimensions, those things add it up just from the beginning i was in love from that moment it, it's so you know film theory wise there was a thing like y'all know german expressionism um it mm. was sort of like early birth of cinema stuff where they're sort of like how are we gonna do our storytelling should it be that like uh, everything looks like it looks in real life or should it be like a scary person can look supernaturally scary um and it sort of was pushing the like boundaries of, of that sort of thing and we've mostly stopped doing that in regular films mm-hmm. like there's still people out there making cool weird stuff um but in general we we prefer a cinematic language that's realistic mm-hmm. um and animation gives you the opportunity to do 
this incredible kind of stuff where you're like, nah, the way things look right now is meant to express something about how the story feels, not to look like what it literally would look like if it walked in front of you. And like, you know, you know, I, I love musicals, so I'm comfortable with things where it's sort of like, this isn't happening because there's a violin there, it's happening because we're in love, right. you know? Like, right. they, and that's what it's, the, the sound of that is meant to communicate the story thing, and that is what Spider-Verse did so, so brilliantly for me. I don't need every movie to have, like, thought bubbles popping up and stuff like that but in this movie it was like here's the language of this movie we're going to teach it to you and then we're going to break your heart with it a thousand times yep I really appreciated that it took such bold chances with storytelling. I liked that it was a Miles Morales movie, and we it, the trailers didn't fulfill that for me. I was like, is this Miles Plus? It was full Miles. Yep. And then the way it told the story was you got your Spider-Man movie because they're already established Spider-Man. So you didn't have to go through the like the training. You didn't have to go through all these things. But you still felt the arc of his growth. You felt the, which, was, which was fun when they kept doing the... So I'm one more Gwen time, Stacey, one more time from the beginning, <laughs> yeah. and it, you didn't get tired of it. Right, and it should have undercut it, but it didn't. It and you didn't. didn't sacrifice Miles' story for the sake of other Spider-Man, no. which was my concern because mm, Miles same. is so important. So when they landed Miles plus, and when they landed Spider-Man plus, and yeah. when they landed, they had Ultimate Green Goblin plus Sinkovich's Kingpin plus Tombstone from the 1970s, like Eric Larson er, er, before Eric Larson. It had so many iconic Scorpion. art styles. Scorpion is <laughs> a whole new take on Scorpion. It's a whole like, new take on it. The fact they had all those a visual very styles. memorable. We're in the spoiler. Right, a very yeah. memorable Doc Ock. Oh, yeah. beautiful! She was because you never knew it because she was just live. The mm-hmm. hair design, the hair design. When the hair went up into an octopus, I was inspired. right. But you never knew anything before then. You were just like, who is she? She's just you're like, oh, is she? I thought she might have been a Smythe. That's who oh, I cool. she thought she might have been. But then she was like, no, nah, my friends call me Doc Ock. I was like, oh, oh, okay. This Aunt is May what... is a boss instead of a weak woman. I really no. like. Oh, wait, he's never weak. But yes, no, it was oh, right. she heart, was amazing. I need your wheat cakes. There's an entire era of Aunt May being like, I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> well, that's just, she's literally going to have a heart attack. First she's all, an can, old lady. Can we, ask, can we answer this one question? How much does Spider-Man financier give him that he's got an underground oh, he's doing lair? Right. This Peter did all right. This Peter was doing all right. Chris and Pine's pretty handsome. Did, I get the, did you get what I'm saying? <laughs> it was a shed that went... First of all, what type of property in Queens do you own? With a basement. With a, that ain't a basement. That is beyond a basement. It's <laughs> a subterranean a, realm. My old man's going to bust in like, what is this? Like, hey, man, you're just in my crib. Like, this is my living room. What you, While we're talking maybe about subterranean... Jane was a supermodel, and she just brought home just millions financed. of dollars. And right. secretly, like, make the whole thing happen. into the, the backyard. <laughs> While we're talking about the subterranean lair, one of my favorite moments in that film is when they cut to the web of supervillains on that wall, and the rose is there, and a bunch of, like, the enforcers are there. People you Steve wouldn't expect Ditko to see. Ever on, in a film, much less an animated film, much less the old Ditko version is that art. I there, really love that. The deep love for comic book lore, the Easter eggs all over this movie, the commitment, like, they even... Spider-Ham is still bitten by a pig and not vice versa, yes. because that's part of the joke of Peter Parker's yes. Spider-Ham, and it's like, that's for nobody but us. There's a Steve Scross electro suit in one of those containers that is in one issue from like issue 421. A single issue Spidey suit made the cut. That's crazy. They knew finally how to do something, which we hope to see in like a lot of these different films. They blended everything we've loved from all of the characters, the current iterations of films, TV shows, cartoons, they melded it all together into one film and it worked. They made sure... It should not have worked and it did. it, It should not have worked. This should be a movie we'd be like, yo, I had such high hopes for it, and it let me down. But it didn't. Everybody came out like, oh, my God. I don't believe this. Miles Morales became as believable as Spider-Man as you could ever see him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't one of those, all of a sudden, I'm bit, now I'm a hero, let me do this. 
He was trying to do it. He realized he couldn't. It took his father to inspire him. I, I like, oh, my God. Okay, can we talk? We're in the spoiler parts. I think, like, that, I'm going to say, the scene through a door might be oh. my new favorite scene in any Spider-Man. I was a mess. I've seen it twice. I was crying for the whole thing. Like, oh, my God. Between Brian Tyree Henry and Mahershala Ali, I couldn't handle it. because they were too good. They, they were Because they were giving him life lessons mm-hmm. that... This is real life lessons. These aren't comic book life lessons. These aren't the typical cliche lines you hear. Like, remember when Miles was about to tell Peter, with great, you know, with great power, don't, he's you, like, <laughs> don't, don't, don't you do that. And Mahershal Ali, I, this landed more for me the uncle uh, dichotomy. Jesse D. Uncle whole, Ben obviously being a force of good but and being wisdom. his uncle Aaron. And Uncle Aaron being a force of wisdom from a negative standpoint. And the way we get from the, me. And we get the same, I'm sorry to cut you off, and we get the same result. Yeah. With Uncle Aaron being dead, with Miles being over him, with the cop being there. And that didn't land for me as strongly in the comics. And this is a rare opportunity where I know the story, but I was more affected by it in theaters than I was in the comics. Because I'm usually like, oh, this is why it is. That was better for me. I think I I can agree for all of us and everybody watching that Stan Lee's cameo broke (sighs) me. Because it was like, I I knew him a long time. He just like... Yeah, broken scene. Someone's cutting onions in the Collider Hero studio. You, you couldn't help it. You couldn't help it. Oh. But this one. Well, fit. and then even the like the little no, the like I'm gonna miss him and the no refund sign. I was like, this is the perfect still. No <laughs> refunds, no exchanges. You just like. And he pops up walking around the city. Apparently, there's Stan Lee's that are just uh. walking. Because Stan Lee's all of us. Apparently, he's a bunch of the civilians. He's on the train. He's walking uh. around. I saw like one or two, but he's apparently he's all over the film. Okay, so Stan Lee's throughout the movie. I've seen it a bunch of times, so I'm going to see it again and look for Stan's. Yeah. But it's like, there's like, oh, where's Waldo? You can do with Stan Lee because he's all of us. Oh. And I love that the animators made that love letter and, and uh, all the other things they did for the fans in this movie because they didn't need to invest in imagery with, like, Ramita Raman or, like, no. the phone having Pacelli and uh, yes. Brian Michael yeah. Bendis. Like, the amount of comic book love beyond the norm was, was insane. This was a comic book love letter to us, and it also is the most approachable. Like, a grandma in Idaho can get a lot out of this movie, and we can. Also... One of the best moments for me was when Miles was talking to Peter about his spider sense and he didn't understand it. He was like, well, you should just wear your mask and it'll keep going off. And then Peter looked at Miles and realized he was a black kid and was like, oh, anytime there's danger. And he was like, oh, right. That's why he couldn't, he would have to, he's a black kid. He experiences danger on a regular basis. I straight up missed that. You didn't, Yeah, that was the reason why they did that scene. When they had yeah, yeah, yeah. him looking at his face and he was like, Oh, yeah. You're a black kid. It was those little bitty tidbits they did. Those little bitty things. And also the fact that Miles Morales' universe was the alternate universe. Mm -hmm. That was the best part to me. Because they made it seem like Peter would go to Miles' universe. You know what I'm saying? Like Peter Parker's original universe would be the setup. And then Peter would get trapped into Miles. No, Miles' universe is the whole backdrop for all of this. Everybody comes there. Mm. And so that's something else I love because they spent that on his head. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't think that was going to be the case. Some may have known, some may have not. So they spent a lot of this. And the glitches, the glitches were the best part of it to me. <laughs> How they'd just be sitting there, you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. The, the chance you took with that animation, like you said, it shouldn't have worked. 
but it did. Yeah, the living in the universe with the hold your horses, Seth Rogen joke, and the Coca Cola spell differently. I thought yes. that was really inspired because it allowed them to have a lot of creative storytelling elements. Now, when they go forward in that universe, they can have different villains, they oh, can absolutely. build a world, they can have different options. I like that we're living in a universe that isn't ours, and our Peter is from our universe, and that's the one that we've lived with for forty years. <laughs> and I really like that that Spider Man is the washed up one, and we have this new hero in this new universe that we can appreciate. Are I'm, those sweatpants? I'm just, that that those sweatpants and the voice casting. <laughs> Lily Tomlin is on. Lily Tomlin. Uh, I, everyone was perfectly cast. Oh my god! I so I do actually want to keep talking about this movie for the rest of oh, time. Oh, we can do of course. Uh, but I don't think we're allowed to do. There's, that. A, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff moving along. Y'all so, signed up for a five-hour show today, right? Tweet us. We'll talk about Spider-Verse <laughs> until you want us to stop. So we also have Once Upon a Deadpool in theaters for only 12 days, the 12th through the 24th. So if you're watching this after the 24th, first of all, you should catch up. Second of all, Once Upon a Deadpool <laughs> is a lot of fun. It is a very different movie. Uh, I talked to Rob Liefeld. You should check that out on another channel of Collider. We had a full hour conversation, and he said what he loved most was that there's three movies that can be spawned from Deadpool 2, and I completely agree. It felt like a different writer or a different artist on a run of the comic. It was a more approachable, more family-friendly film, but it has 16 minutes of just Fred Savage glory as well as another, like, 10 minutes of alternate takes, different cuts from other films. So it's an entirely different movie, and it reshapes things in a much more comic book narrative. It's surprisingly the most comic booky of the Deadpool cuts. There is a cable rant that is inspired. We're going to go full spoilers talking about that. If either of you seen it yet? I did see it. Jay, have you had a chance? I've seen it. Okay. I, I, I love it. Again, we were talking about it before we started recording. You took a chance to say, you're Ryan Reynolds, you're like, listen, I need to keep you in this role. I can't afford to let them recast it when, when the, the merger happens. How do we do this? Let's just PG it up. How do we PG it up without it losing its luster? What about Fred Savage? <laughs> what about we do the Princess Bride? Let's do it. And it works. Again, another thing that should not work but it does. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't. I've been saying since they announced it like five months ago, like no PG-13 Deadpool can't exist. And I maintain that this movie exists because Deadpool 2 worked. And I don't know if, if they came out the gate with the PG-13. If you could have a Deadpool PG-13 without the original, I'm not sure that can work. So I still maintain he is an R-rated character in my very humble opinion. But I think this version of the movie is very entertaining. It's a great addendum. It's a great follow-up. Uh, and I really enjoyed all the Fred Savage stuff. I just don't know if I hadn't seen Deadpool 2. If I would have been like, that's a complete story. Nobody. I don't think you. I think it's open ended if you don't. You wouldn't have. I. Okay. I'm going to be the wet blanket. <laughs> Please. Please. My, here's my grades. Fred Savage. How this thing works overall. It kind of didn't like. So, okay. Granted, it's not really supposed to. But that, mm. what's interesting here is the, like. We don't, I think, have a successful test of whether Deadpool works in PG-13 because this was a different movie kind of recut with, like, honestly hilarious new material, mm -hmm. um, but that sort of, you know, kind of injures the flow of the existing movie, which was not designed to be here. It's, it's weird. Like, I kind of expected to love this because, you know, I... Y'all know me. Like, R-rated <laughs> jokes aren't a thing I'm super gonna miss, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, maybe this will be all the stuff that I liked. And, like, 
And instead, unfortunately, some of, even some of the same material that played for me before played less this time. Yeah. Um, in part because, you know, like the, we're in spoilers, right? Okay. Um, everyone on X-Force <laughs> unexpectedly dying right. gets cut off midway by them going back to Fred Savage, which yeah. is hilarious if you've already seen Deadpool 2 But if you don't, but that's like Coy was saying, if you didn't see it. You don't they, they let the air out of a lot of those moments by going to the commentary, which works because, again, this movie isn't really, I think, designed to replace watching Deadpool That's 2. That's what I mean. I don't think experience. PG-13 could. Um, but if you wrote a PG-13 movie, you could. But, like, in this case, and, okay, am I crazy or did we lose both the Celine Dion opening credits we did. and the yes, 95 we did. we did. Okay. I think because it was a licensing you, you issue. You had to, not even just the licensing issue. You don't want the Celine Dion opening credits involve a lot of knives, bullets, guns. But it's not even in the, in the closing song. The song doesn't it, even pop up in the. It doesn't either. I, didn't I thought it was in the, oh, the. Is closing. it in the closing? Um, so here's the thing. I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble, but whatever. Here we uh, go. The things that I, the things that I've traditionally not trusted about Deadpool that these movies have tricked me into liking, um, like because when I sat down and watched Deadpool 2, I was like we opened with 9 to 5 and a Celine Dion thing this thing is criticizing outdated ideas of masculinity and I'm here for it. When you take all of that out, you're left with like Deadpool making a lot of fat jokes and you get the, the Colossus butt touching scene, but you don't get the beautiful line where Marina Baccarin's like, hey don't hook up with him, mm-hmm. which would have uh, been an easy thing up. to keep. Yeah. Like, And so instead of the I like Deadpool can be so much cooler and looser and disrupt your ideas of how things should go, which I love about him. Yeah. You just get the <laughs> it's funny because two dudes touch butts. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? It played differently to me. A movie like and, and that was weird to me. So I, yeah. I get I get that um, as well. I, I mean, still see it if you saw Deadpool too because <laughs> the Fred Savage stuff is hilarious. It, for me, it's I highly recommend it if you've seen Deadpool two. I definitely recommend it if you've seen the Super Duper cut. For me, this was a great fifth viewing, and okay. that's not a, a sell. Yeah, tell me like, how, tell me how it played differently for you or didn't. So I went in expecting to hate it. I went in expecting <laughs> an F. Wait, I, wait, I wait there's in, a such thing as Koi hating <laughs> oh, a Deadpool movie. Have you seen X Men Origins Wolverine? That, that I expected. I said, that. did you hear what I said? A, I, Deadpool, <laughs> a Deadpool movie. <laughs> but Deadpool was in that movie. <laughs> No, 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 oh, no, he that. was not. He was never in that movie. Don't Baraka you ever. Claw, that was Baraka Claw. Don't you ever call him Deadpool in that movie. So, like that didn't happen. He wasn't. Okay. I expected Green Lantern. I expected X-Men Origins Wolverine. I expected suffering. I trusted Ryan Reynolds <laughs> to make the Fred Savage stuff funny, but I expected the overall experience to hurt me mm. and then have to be very creative in my phrasing. I expected to come on the show and be like, how do I lawyer talk about that? Instead, <laughs> I got a movie that I enjoyed because I expected to hate it. I think we had the opposite expectations. Mm-hmm. You went in expecting to like it more because I love R-rated humor. I love the depraved. I love things that there's a spoiler alert for super duper cut. There's a baby Hitler joke in that movie. That, that is one of it, the yeah. most inspired bits of humor of 2018. I think that stuff's funny because it is so on the fence. And I love going to like laugh factory, the comedy store and hearing stuff that isn't appropriate for the world. I like to be like, Oh, you shouldn't say that. And to be like affected. Mm. And that's the comedy I enjoy, especially with the world being so like, Oh no. And I really I think that thank you for pointing to me. When you I just, that's your, yeah, I got Cause you realize sponsorship. Stand up. There thank it is. You. There's your guy. Check out Jay Washington. <laughs> Factor. So I, I liked it because I expected to be the opposite perspective. Yeah. So since I left that movie having laughed at all the new stuff, having laughed at the new jokes that were like, there's an entirely new X-Men set of jokes in yeah. the same footage. Mm. So all of those things I didn't expect. I didn't expect the furthering of the Yukio relationship. There was two new scenes with them. There were moments that I didn't expect to get more of. So since I was going like D minus and I got more than that, I left like it was an A. Mm. Whether or not it was actually an A, I can't possibly sure. decide. See, that's three different takes. Because for me, it's I look through the eye of, 
I need to see how this character is going to work when they include him in the MCU. Mm. That's the, literally the way I looked at it. Okay. Because that's the reason That's the reason for this movie. Mm-hmm. How does it... Let's call it what it is. The only reason we have Once Upon a Deadpool, like I said before, is to see if he can fit in the MCU. And I'm like, okay, can he do it and not lose all of the luster? Mm-hmm. Granted, like you said, had you not seen Deadpool 2, a lot of jokes fall flat. When you take out certain things, it takes away from you know the overall story. And to the slight rebuttal, it's always been Deadpool. <laughs> you, I, but I get, I get what you're saying. I'm 100%. Because I know what you mean. Like, you, you challenge norms. You change it. And then that's what he did. That's what he's grown into. That's what he's grown like, into. I've come to love that about yes. him. Like, And that's why I said I'm with you completely on that. I just they was like, okay, let's just show you Deadpool right now. Now, granted, if they Kevin Feige and them decide to go in that route and was like, well, he was doing this. Like, we can't have him always grabbing men's butts. Because it's Disney. What? But no, I think you can. No, no, I mean, I don't think, people. I don't, no, no, not, not saying, I'm not saying that's not, you. not the grab of the I'm butt. I'm yelling at the I mean, movie, not I don't you. Not the butt. I'm talking, I'm, I didn't mean to say the butt, the line from Miranda Baccarin. Mm. I don't think that line would happen. But don't Miramax. so and so? You just changed the language. It's not hard. But Miramax think, existed back when Disney, like, know, that was, now, and I like Kevin say, Smith yeah, movies. I will like, always say that, look, Pulp Fiction existed yeah. with Disney. But have we had those type of references yet? But that's why Deadpool's important. That's and why we need him, because he's the character. I'm not saying I didn't like it. No, I'm no. just saying those those things that I'm looking at yeah. going into the MCU. Like, have we had that yet? We haven't had the... We might have teased certain same-sex relationships or different things. Like, even the time when... Um, was it Civil War? Or... No, it was Age of Ultron when Tony and War Machine are flying around after they bring in the helicarrier. Right. And Tony says something, and, War, and then Rhodey goes, you had to make it weird. You had to make it weird. And so certain things like that, you want to see how they play into the bigger scheme of the MCU. The reason I'm worried is they cut Valkyrie's love interest, and that neutered that moment. When they right. when she lost the love of her, her life, life yes, then the you didn't feel it because all you saw was like, well, she lost a fellow Valkyrie, she lost a comrade. It wasn't a comrade she lost, she lost a lover, and that impact was gone. And that really bothered me because Tess Thompson was so vocal about it, and it was so important to her. Mm-hmm. And then the movie came out, and they're like, what if she lost a friend? And I'm like, no, that wasn't what that relationship was, so see, we now lost Now you see what impact. I'm saying? And that's it's why I'm worried things. about Deadpool, because the difference between Deadpool and Spider-Man is that he wears his heart on his sleeve, and he wears a mask to hide his ugliness for you, not to hide his identity. He's pansexual because he's just fully, oh, yeah, he, and he, he, he loves everything and that's so important to the character. Deadpool represents full freedom. If you love Deadpool or hate him, he represents the freedom oh, a character can have and if you take away his freedom then you zip his mouth shut and we've already had that. Stop bringing up that. That's what I fear. It's my greatest fear. We know from the comics that it's possible to write Deadpool at lots of different levels. Yeah, I don't think this PG-13. movie was a successful test of PG-13 Deadpool because you had to retrofit an existing movie for sure. it. So you, you think can design a, whole, a PG-13 movie, Deadpool yeah. movie, and I think it can work. But you can't take an existing one and... Uh, Walmart it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> except that, like, obviously this is a fun charity stunt not designed to necessarily stand on its a own. A dollar for each case, ticket. I'm, you know, I'm not mad I spent money on that. Yeah, absolutely. Fudge cancer. Fudge um, cancer. But... Uh, my final note before we move on to the Aquaman stuff is that Spider-Man Deadpool is an arc in the comics right now. Uh, Rob Liefeld endorsed, Coy Jondro endorsed, all these guys endorsed. And Spider-Man is a character that can only be written PG-13. He's not even allowed to hold a beer. So I didn't realize the extent of how much they censor Spider-Man comics. Therefore, a PG-13 Deadpool does exist. It's one of my favorite runs of Deadpool. I now have full faith in a PG-13 Deadpool. Like you said, if he's written from the jump as that, I believe he can exist. It would just be very creative writing as long as he doesn't lose his freedom. We don't lose those Colossus moments. And... 
it's really important to me that the reason that I love Deadpool stays intact, and that's why I keep referencing Wolverine. Yeah. Oh, and we, we are out of time, but I'm going to have a big co- off-screen conversation about whether the, uh, including the reference to fridging in this version of the movie, like, that's a whole, did that oh, work? I, that did moment. that make it better? Did that make it worse? <sighs> We'll made, see. I think I made it better. We'll talk off camera. Now, <laughs> they they let him undercut it at the yes. end. They they included it and then let him undercut it and didn't acknowledge that they didn't know what it was in the first place. And it's fine. It's just a comedy movie. It raised money for charity. I'm taking it too seriously. <laughs> and I did get to hear Fred Savage deliver an eloquent explanation of what it is, even if they then undercut it. He also said Ascani Sutton. Oh, yeah. That part was gold. Watch it just for Fred Savage telling you about Cable. Okay. I sorry. I keep saying I'm done and then I'm not done. Sorry. So check out Once Upon a Deadpool to see a different take of Deadpool that may or may not work, and we're still undecided. Look at us go. Now, the thing that does work is Aquaman Overseas. That is working very well to the tune of over $260 million. And that was like two days ago. It's probably 700 by now. Yeah, at least. Just and it hasn't even debuted Not even here, here yet. Here. Now, All the money. <laughs> last week we discussed a non spoiler review of Aquaman. There were two people very for it. One person hadn't seen it. Someone off camera had an opinion that was uh, uh, of a disagreement. I think I know who that person but is. I very much enjoy I, the reason I locked Aquaman so much is I was talking to Roka right before. I literally was like talking to him, so I walked in like, well, this is an opinion. So I enjoyed the experience a lot. So everyone's opinion is valid. Stop being angry that people disagree with you. It's not fair. Hey man, That's the say, way of the world. Look, you can't say on social media, I didn't like something. <laughs> I, I haven't, I've yet to see. I'm going. I'm gonna try to go see. It. I'm definitely gonna see it uh, within the next day before it comes out officially everywhere in theaters. Because I don't like people. So because <laughs> I don't like people. Jay screening. <laughs> I don't like that many people. Like I want to be able to enjoy what I'm watching. Um, but I've heard so many great things. And one of the biggest things I've heard that I'm proud to hear is that they made an underwater world look realistic. You are. Oh my God. It's. Okay, so I have seen it now. Go ahead. Um, and we're not going to get into spoilers, but I hadn't last week, so I was not. I was. I was the wait and see of last week. Mm. And uh, when we eventually get into full details on this movie, I'm very excited to talk it through with y'all because, like, you know, the movie has a lot of different elements going on. Mm. And some of them uh, I wasn't as happy with and some of them I was absolutely ecstatic about. And this visual commitment to this underwater world that they have made... You, you could see the movie with the sound off and it would be worth it. Like, it's incredible. I, I, I think this is non-spoilery. So, yeah, um, a lot of people in those early screenings were saying it has a feel of Marvel Phase 1. And I get what they mean in terms of origin. Mm. But where that absolutely isn't the case is the fact that this is a mind-blowing visual spectacle with utter commitment to the fantastic elements of its world. Like, that stuff works so well. I'm so thrilled. They, they, this movie is completely unafraid of making a wonderful underwater universe. They're not like, I'm going to stand in a closet and have you imagine an underwater universe. <laughs> you know, and we've seen that. Yeah, Too many times. We've seen the like, okay, just pretend. No, there's a giant green screen behind you. So what I need you to visualize in your head is right there is a fish. <laughs> underwater. Underwater. <laughs> Uh, so, so yes, yeah, sorry, I got really excited no, no, when you called out that element. No, of it. so that's what I've, I've heard that you know that was one of the biggest things to make Atlantis look realistic, and you know the dichotomy with Jason Momoa and Amber Heard, you know the way they have it going, it, everything works mm-hmm. and it flows. So I'm like, okay, I need to be one of the cool kids to get one of these pre screenings. <laughs> I will. We will get into it next week. There, there are other things where like. You have to separate out sort of, do I like the approach they took and do I completely think that this worked? And that's kind of where uh, I don't want to, like, 
your your mileage may vary on this Next one, week, and we'll get into it when when y'all have had a chance to see the movie, which you should. It's sitting pretty at two hundred and sixty six point four million dollars right now, hundred percent foreign, nothing domestic yet because it's not out yet. And that to me, it was a two hundred million dollar production budget. I've heard plus advertising, probably three fifty. So it might clear in the opening weekend domestic plus the foreign its budget and just immediately. It's already go to the cleared it. Look, <laughs> it's already. You just said two hundred million. Marketing, marketing's expensive. I get this, but guarantee. Oh, guaranteed. I'm agreeing. It's the foreign is going to take it over because to hear what movie doing, we're looking at Venom numbers. Yeah, we're looking at Venom numbers for a film. A lot of people did. There was like again, one of those movies. People were like, "We do an Aquaman movie," but then you heard it's Jason Momoa doing Jason Momoa as Aquaman because that's how I feel. I feel like Jason Momoa is playing Jason Momoa as Aquaman. And then they added James Wan. Everybody's like, "Okay." Okay. Yeah, my attention. Like, like, Apparently, look. including Nicole Kidman. That was a great story that she talked about, like, why she agreed to do this movie. James Wan. She follows, like, down under filmmakers. She's been following James Wan for years. Oh, like, so when she got the right thing. So she was just like, what? You want me for what? Okay, sounds good. Let's go. Like, I want to be that that's apparently famous how she rolls. to that point. Be like, Nicole, yo, just, you want me to call Kidman famous? No, because no, <laughs> I saw the killing of a sacred deer. Um, so that's a whole other thing I don't want to talk about. But I want to be that famous where I can be like, yo, so you're from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> Lena Waits, come holler at me. Uh, so you know what I'm saying? But I, I love to hear that. And to hear this movie is it also, we got to stop calling it the DCEU as of now. This is its own universe. Mm-hmm. Remember, as of now, we're no longer in this connected universe that we had before. Aren't we? No. I mean, Jason Momoa's from Justice League. So I mean, he is, but yeah. they say, but so what they're saying now that it's its own new entity. These are, the, these are their own things. Should they come back together? This has been the same now that we have to not look at that past DCEU after Justice League. Granted, it's the characters. Mm-hmm. I, it, you, can re, you can Google it. I DC promise films you. are... Fun and this was a great entertaining film. No, no, and I, I'm, the, no, no I'm, not, I'm not bringing down anything. I'm no, just no, I'm saying, just saying. I think it's what they're calling. Yeah, me. they're talking about the ways the new the films are going in a different direction now. So, so it is out next week. Next week we'll be talking about it in length with spoilers because it will have been out for a little bit. We've seen it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's definitely an experience you want to see theatrically. You want to see it as big as possible. See it in IMAX mm-hmm. if you can. It is a spectacle film that I really enjoyed. And I'm really excited for the way the DC Films universe is going. So that is it for our main stuff. We also have some minor mutations this week with lots the news so we got the we're getting the whole entire friggin justice society on secret justice society show star girl uh over on dc universe streaming we got some somewhat confusing news where joel McHale is going to play golden age Starman, but his name is sylvester pemberton who's the star spangled kid so either they're combining them or there was a mistake or who knows what that's all about <laughs> um but either way i'm on board uh henry thomas is playing dr midnight lou ferrigno jr is our man and brian stoff is wildcat very excited for that cast. We also have the Punisher dropping in January, which means roughly 72 hours before it's canceled. We'll have a date at some point. Very excited to see it before we lose it. I think we all know what's happening, though. Like, we're going to enjoy it for those three weeks. And here comes the deadline article. Yep, it's going to be knew. Punisher kills the Netflix universe. It's just going to be him going <laughs> he, he gets everything. war journaled. He just that, <laughs> that's his final his final episode is him going into Netflix like, you want this? And him just shooting. Punisher kills the Netflix universe. <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> We have some very exciting news. Y'all, you might be noticing a pattern. I'm noticing a pattern. Uh, Legendary has just signed an overall deal uh, with 
Absolute superstar comic book writers Kelly C. DeConnick and Matt Fraction. You know their work, you love their work, and they are joining Brian K. Vaughn and Jeff Lemire on that shingle. What is going on over there? Legendary Netflix looking ahead. I'm really yeah. excited for those acquisitions. Legendary's got some mm-hmm. good moves. Uh, Henry Cavill is still Superman, according to Aquaman. That's right. Jason Momoa says Cavill is still our guy. I'm very excited about this news. We're going to dive into that in a minute. We got a lot of interesting things out of some inter- uh, interviews with Amy Pascal and the Sony folks, such as Sinister Six, not dead ready whenever drew goddard is apparently and some sequel details on spider-verse and who's joining joining gwen in spider women i had to put this in here because i think cinematographers are underappreciated roger deacon should do everything also a brilliant cinematographer from mission impossible fallout has joined the black widow movie which means it's going to be shot beautifully that is so much of the film especially comic films so i'm excited for the cinematographer joining because fallout is gorgeous bubbling around in the background we had some rumored front runners for casting for Valiant Comics' Harbinger movie, part of their slate of superhero movies. Uh, Full disclosure, I love Faith, and she's part of Harbinger, so get this right. And during an interview, Crystal Dynamics has revealed that the Avengers game that we have been waiting for for years is not dead. They didn't reveal much new, but now at least we have a comment that it is moving forward. It was announced like four years ago. Every E3, we think we're going to get an update. An update of the fact that it's not dead is our update. Avengers, hopefully we'll live on soon. (laughs) I'm excited for that to assemble. Yeah. Any of those jump out at you? Uh, again, let's just say Punisher will cancel <laughs> seven seven days after it comes out. Um, the whole Star Girl, the casting for that, the DC Universe is not playing. Mm-mm. They are not playing because at first you had okay, you heard of Titans, then you said oh we're getting Doom Patrol, then you said Swamp Thing, and everybody was like what? <laughs> Excuse me. Go on. Go, go on. <laughs> and now you're like Star Girl, and you're like you sure? Let's see how you gonna do. You're like no, don't worry. We got you. Then you start hearing the casting. You're like, okay, so how long do I have to wait for this? <laughs> because it's interesting. You're taking characters. Like you said, it's the Justice Society. You're taking characters a lot. Of, we got a tease of them in Legends of Tomorrow, but you're taking like, no, this is their own series. And I think had that not happened in Legends, I don't think we'd been getting this. I'd be honest. Now, I had a whole weird, like, uh, you're, I'm almost certain you're right there, but, like, I had a whole weird heartbreak because I just saw the headline, Joel McHale cast as Starman, um, which I have been recently reading for the first time, <laughs> and I was like, he's going to be the best Jack Knight you could ever have. He's not playing mm, Jack, Jack nope. Knight. What's happening? I'm confused. Um, he's also not playing Jack Knight's dad, who was the Golden Age Starman. It's probably the case that they're just narratively simplifying this, yeah. um, and that makes a good amount of sense, and he will be very fun in like a goofy golden age mode. I will say, I'm curious to see who else they're going to fill the team out with um, because you always have this problem with the JSA where some of the members are like superstars that people would be confused by where you're like, and now Black Canary and Wonder Woman. Where you're like, like wait, just wait, get somebody they're else just, in They're that. just here? Um, they're just hanging out? Just, they're just hanging around just for no reason? Like, <laughs> somebody know like, that Golden Lasso was just sitting out here just on, on the shelf over there. But that's what I'm liking about Titans. I'm finally catching up on Titans is they make a lot of those choices. There's often moments where I'm like, that's a huge moment. You're just going to let that. Okay, cool. Like, like the universe is so trusting to the audience that you can have Donna Troy just be a mention, and they're not leaning away from I, it. I, I was t- I got, we were just talking about how I need to get <laughs> caught up so I can see Donna Troy. Yeah, it's it, there are moments in that that I couldn't believe isn't like the headline of some news story because they trust the Titans audience. Titans, I'm now catching up, is so much fun, and it's the universe I want it. Like DC Universe, thank you, it's bold. And I, I'm glad they're just throwing everything. I out. was so scared. I'd heard so many early reviews from people, which. I'm going to stop listening to people sometimes. But because people like, it was almost like Inhumans. Mm. And I was like, do not tell me that because that'll make me not want to watch this at all. And then I watched the first episode. I was like, 
okay, let me see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Second episode, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of getting where you're going with this. And it takes like the third or fourth. By the time we get to the Doom Patrol, it's got its footing going. Mm-hmm. And because the Doom Patrol changes everything. Br- give Brendan Fraser everything. He <laughs> deserves it, just being a voice. But it rolls and it works. So when you put this ensemble together, you bring up a Donna Troy. You're like, wait, we're going to do Wonder Girl? And when you guys haven't gotten to it, when you see her, it's she does just what she needs to do. It doesn't take over the whole scenes, and it's not the undercutter. Okay. You're like, that's Wonder Girl. It's funny because, like, I haven't loved every choice on that show. I think we um, all, yeah, the Robin suit is one. Uh, <laughs> dear Jesus. Fuck Batman. <laughs> that is un- <laughs> Also, can we say that they... That but we, I'm excited. Was the other we, we get that, yeah, you want to, you can swear on this, but sometimes y'all just go above and beyond. Like, but Hawk? Overall, the show is, is a lot more than I expected it to be. Like yes, that, it is. My overall take is so much There's more There's a lot more it's murder. A lot worse. There's a lot of murder yeah. that you didn't... I mean, And Hawk and Dove are amazing. And that's what I'm talking about. A lot of murder from Hawk and Dove. Yeah, that's my brain when you said murder. I'm like, Hawk and Dove. Kind of a su- surprise there. Now, yep. I, I want to briefly talk about the Sinister Six movie not being dead, because okay. I am a giant Drew, Drew Goddard fan, and I think mm. that he has not written, like... A superhero movie to his caliber yet because he does a lot of TV. Yes. He does Cabin in the Woods. Like he writes incredibly, but he hasn't gotten a film. He's gotten to spread his stuff out. Sinister Six can be a game changer for Sony, and we see that they're investing a lot of weird choices. Now, Sinister Six, in my opinion, could be a team up of villains, a la the Ocean's films. They're all underdogs, and then you have Spider-Man as your antagonist, and you as the audience is torn, much like Daredevil with Kingpin and Daredevil. But you're against Spidey in a way. If you're invested in this team of like low-level thugs that band together, I could see this movie working, and I can see us having. A, I love crime movies. I love heist movies. Imagine that being against Spider-Man. This movie can be incredible, and that's what it sounds like it's shaping up to be. And with Sony's huge $850 plus million dollar win with Venom, they can actually invest in this universe. They can actually make that something. Do you do it live action or animated like Spider-Verse? Live action. Because I think it'd be more invested in thugs if you know them. Like, okay. if, if they're actors you trust. Like, if they had uh, even Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman. Yeah. There was an investment right away because you like Thomas Hayden Church, so you, you empathize. But Whereas I think with the animation, I it's my hard My investment to... left out that he had that sweater on. Now, because <laughs> I will never forget that. <laughs> Dicko made a choice, and I think they landed it. No. The, look, there's certain things you don't always have to translate to the big screen. <laughs> that sweater was one of them. But you know what I mean? There's a certain, like, yeah. association with actors. Like, no, if Keanu Reeves is in a movie, you're like, I love this. But, and I say that because of what we just saw with Spider-Verse. Sure. You know, can, you can get that translation. Now, granted, it doesn't have to be on Miles' universe. We can go yeah, back but to... if this is going to take money away from Miles' universe, make it live action. Yeah, Leave that's it over true. There. That's fair. Keep that's working fair. on Miles and Gwen. Tom Holland v. Six Villains? That sounds great to me. So, it's like, not going to be Tom Holland. It won't be Tom. I mean, maybe by the time Drew Goddard is ready, Sony's getting this right thing has worked out. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. I would love to see, but I would love to see Tom Holland do it by himself. I don't want to see any other Avengers cameos. Mm-hmm. Like, let Spider-Man have to deal with this. If you, no matter, no matter whether it's Tom Holland or not, just have Spider-Man deal with it. Don't have, here comes an Iron Man. Here comes, you know, Black Widow's just hanging out in the streets. Now, unless you throw Daredevil in there, that's the only way I'm happy. Charlie <laughs> Cox is Daredevil. Yeah, and it has to be Charlie Cox. Because, yes. you know, Netflix, Sony, and Marvel all get along very well. If we put those three studios together, it's going to go swimming. Let's just have them all sit down and like, listen, we <laughs> can make all the money <laughs> right now. <laughs> so is there anything of these mind mutations that you were especially in love with? Um, this is all interesting stuff. I'm glad we have a cinematographer for Black Widow. I want that to move forward. I don't know what is happening over at Legendary with the Milkfried Criminal Masterminds, which is Kelly Sudeconic and Matt Fraction's label. Um, but anything, everything they do is exciting. Uh, we talked about Justice Society. The, this, the sequels for Spider-Verse I'm very excited about. Uh, 
the the like that there'll be a miles focused one which it looks like gwen is gonna come back for um there was a beautiful thing in an interview this week where they were talking about the collaborative process of making this movie with like you know five producers and three directors Mm. and like that you know they worked out a bunch of it on a giant text chain of just like enthusiasm yeah uh and that like they were able to sort of clearly whatever the process was worked really well and they talked specifically about one of the producers i think her name was steinberg uh uh that was like they said she kept us honest where they were like they, they, apparently it had something to do with like that spider gwen like they saved any potential romance plot for a future movie and i like to see really good decisions happen and i like to hear that people are just like yeah we were all in a room and sort of like you know she kind of came in and, and kept us kept us honest was the phrasing that i think lord miller used in that interview um where they were talking about like having all those voices together to kind mm-hmm. of catch and end up with the best ideas like Making a movie by committee sounds impossible, but here, a meeting of the minds somehow worked so beautifully. Um, so anyway, I really trust them, but we are going to, it looks like, get some sparks in that next one. Uh, and uh, she's getting her spinoff with friggin' Silk and Spider-Woman. Which is all canon. I love that that's from the comics. Yes. So is the team. And I love that we, when we saw the five of them on stage, they all seemed to be like, no, you get credit, you get credit, you get credit. They it's all bonded. Man. So it is committee that really lands. And I, I was so impressed. And I would love a team going forward with this, this world. Uh, speaking of spider man dorian and i had the distinct pleasure of going to a venom pop-up event last week to acknowledge the glory yeah i said it of venom the movie and it's on blu-ray right now so we talked to todd mcfarland and we want to show you guys that interview right here secret wars number eight amazing 252 and now a venom block party how the world of comics has changed with todd mcfarland in the mind of todd mcfarland what is it like being at an event that literally sprang from your own mind years ago uh, flattering, right? Sort of, sort of cool. Um, the the thing that's interesting when you see the success of something like Venom, and and I had no giant impact on that movie on any level. Is it? Is it? I liken myself to the parents that you see when somebody makes their major league debut. Yeah. Uh, so I, for people who are not sports fans, this is how it works. You just go, oh, my God, look at our little boy, Tommy. <laughs> and Tommy, we raised him right. And after all this time and all that work, he's on the field. But at the end of the day, Tommy needs to stand on his own. And he has to hit the curveball. And all we are just cheerleaders, right? So to me, Venom now has people that are supporting him in different ways. And Sony and, and the movie makers and Ruben who, who did it in the, in the cast. And, and Tom Hardy who did a great job being Eddie Brock. And, and I'm just sort of a proud papa with a big smile up in the third deck, smiling down, hoping that they hit a home run and they hit a grand slam <laughs> with the billion-dollar Venom that they did. So it's, it, it's interesting, but uh, it, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not necessary to the process, right? Now, which is which, which, which you want for everything that you create creatively, that your your creation should be able to survive minus the originator, right? Mm-hmm. And and I always look to somebody like Walt Disney. Not saying I'm Walt Disney, so don't mistake me. But Walt Disney isn't on the planet anymore, and yet his characters will live. And just recently, a good friend of mine, Stan Lee, passed away, and all of his characters are going to live, which means those ideas were just 
so good they're going to survive the father, the creative fathers of them. I, every, I'm, I'm hoping that some of my ideas live past my lifetime, too. So. And you've seen the rise of comics. You were there when the giant explosion of multiple covers and all these things are happening. And now we're seeing it with comic films. Does it feel familiar in this explosion of pop culture awareness for comic books? Uh, it's, it, which, what's interesting is that some of the reasons that people got excited about comic books when I was younger, because I've been around this business now for over 30 years, and, and the reason that they sort of, you know, take sort of attention of certain villains and certain heroes, that they go, oh, my God, I like that, and I like that story. All those same things are now being trans- transferred to the movie or, yeah. to, or to TV. And so when I'm hearing people describe why they like the movies and why they like certain characters, I'm hearing the same conversations that I, I used to be in myself 20, 30 years ago. And, and now, but they're doing it with movie and TV, and they don't have to collect comic books, right? Yeah. To make a billion dollars on something like Venom, we know mathematically the vast majority of people have not read a Venom comic book. Right? right, especially internationally, because people are, don't even, in some countries, don't even have access to American uh, comic books. So you just go; they're just going to what's on the screen, and to them, that's what their their vantage point is. Right. And then they're reacting from that vantage point, and all the history that led up to it. That's for geeks like you and I to have these big panels and discussions. It's not necessary again, mm-hmm. right? Just like I'm not necessary to the process. Then the 30-year history, to some extent isn't overly necessary. It's that two hours spread out over a globe to billions of people. How many will come and react to that? Right. And, and now we're here, and they're doing it in real time in front of us. The the, the world's this world building is, is growing in front of our eyes. Exponentially. But we're seeing it being built. Yeah. And so our children are going to be born into worlds in which it just will be, right? right. And we're going to go, wow, we were there when it first started. I saw the first Batman movie and the first Spider-Man movie. We're going to be sounding like dinosaurs. Cap had rubber ears when I was a kid. Why in my day? Right. And, and, and so they're going to go, oh, my God, that's kind of cool. But it's just going to be part of the vernacular. We're just, we're. I think we're just fortunate right now to just see it expanding right in front of us, and we're, we've got a front row seat. All of us, like expanding. a symbiote expanding in front of us. We're seeing the growth of the comic world. No, it's true. Now you redefined a lot of the visuals of Spider-Man when you go over. You changed the webbing. You changed how he posed. You changed a lot of the, the visual aesthetic. And you're doing something similar. It sounds like with Spawn. You're changing an entire aesthetic to the superhero genre. Is it interesting to be someone that goes like, "That's working. Let's go this direction." Is that a con- decision? It, it's yes, and here's why: because artistically, I would do it just for career survival. Because because in the business of comic books, there are, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of artists. Right. So how do you stick out? Right. And the only way you can stick out is that you got to start doing things that might be interesting or might be fun to look at. And so every character that I I did, there's there's really two things that were driving me. One, I, I've got to survive, and, and I don't want to just be lost in the shuffle and the sea of other creative people, because they're brilliant. And the other part was, and I don't think people really quite understand this concept, that when you're doing comic books, you're doing writing comic books or novels or whatever else, but let's just stick with comic my days were 10 to 12 hours a day in a room, small room, yeah. at my desk with me. 
And so, so there, there's no outside influence. It's just you at a desk. Yeah. And so the number one rule, at least for me, I don't know how others do it, was I, I want to draw fun. I want to I want to draw stuff that's cool. Yeah. So then you channel your inner ten year old, and you go, Oh my God, this would be cool. And if I'm drawing the Hulk, I'm going, What would be fun to draw? And he'd be big, and he crushes things. And if I'm doing Spider Man, I go, Oh, I want him to do it, flip around like he's a bug. And if he's Batman, I want him to have the big giant cape. And every everything I was doing was just, What's going to get me through the deadline? And is it fun to draw? And then I cross my fingers and hope that the readers would basically respond to it. Right. And, and if that works, then you also then start creating a style, and then the style helps your career. And so I'm, I, I'm not trying to say, oh, that's wrong or that's bad. I'm just trying to say, I've seen that look. Let me try a different look. Not better, not worse, just different. Yeah, and that, that brings me to my final question for you. Your very stylistic approach to these characters and your very bold approach has brought two of the most interesting action blockbuster slash nuanced actors to them. You've got Jeremy Renner and you've got Tom Hardy, two guys known for being like Oscar thespian, comma action guys. Do you think it's a coincidence that these characters' multi-dynamic personality brought these crazy multi-dynamic actors? People say a lot of nice things about my career and, and, and I appreciate it, but I think that if you just create interesting ideas then they're just naturally gonna draw people's curiosity if you have kids <laughs> and your kids love that then they'll talk your kids can talk they can be the subject. lawyer right. like, ah. so tom hardy has a kid and like venom so he's like yeah i'm gonna go do venom he's gonna be the coolest dad right i'm, I'm betting his kids not saying dad you were so cool and in the reverend, right? <laughs> I don't think so. He's probably going, Dad, I don't even understand what that movie was about. How come you didn't get to wrestle the bear? And how come you were so dirty? But that Venom, you're kind of cool. And guess what? Everybody on the block thinks you're cool right now, yeah. right? I mean, he's, he's like, the coolest looking character he's right he's away, cool, Dad. He's the coolest dad on his block, yeah, right? Easy. That's fun. That's fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm insane that this has become from all the brain. It's incredible. Congratulations on all this madness and image. Venom comes out on Tuesday the 18th. It's got tons of special features. You can see all of this and more. Check it out. Crazy it expensive comic was Amazing Spider-Man 300. That was my first investment comic. Todd Fart McFarlane was so much of my childhood. It was incredible talking to him about one of my favorite characters. That dude is so rad, and that was just, it was an honor. I'm so glad y'all were able to do that. Um, we're hoping to have a little more we can share with y'all eventually. There's some tech issues right now, so we're not sure what the timeline would look like on that. But... A friggin' rad event, clearly. Uh, was, that the, pop-up, how was it? A tattoo. <laughs> uh, Dorian got a neck tattoo his mom loved. Uh, Wait, let me see there the was, tattoo. It was, uh, you still, uh, you still. I, it's coming off slowly. It's a lot of washing. It's, nah, uh, it's, uh, you it's, don't uh, wash that oh, arm. I, sometimes. You don't. So uh, it was an incredible <laughs> event. They had custom shirts. They had venom throughout. Like, the actual symbiote was, all, like, all over the walls. It was, it was rad. It was one of the best pop-ups I've ever been to in life. But something else. Wait, hold on. Hold, um, I'm hearing in my imaginary earpiece oh. uh, that... While we have been recording this show, the Hellboy trailer dropped early? Another pop-up? A <laughs> pop-up while we're talking about a pop-up? <laughs> there it is. How oh, dare them. The freaking Hellboy trailer, which we literally just watched while that rolled. <laughs> um, for the, it's for the freaking Hellboy trailer's here. Oh, my God. David Harbour is doing it. <laughs> He's what you wanted to to follow Ron Perlman. Mm -hmm. He's exactly what you wanted to follow Ron Perlman. We saw this, when we saw the first looks of him, everybody was like, Okay, this 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 is good. This is good. Now I need to see a trailer. And you see a trailer, and you're like, all right, so April is when it's coming out, right? Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to buy this ticket in advance. 
Yeah, I'll have my ticket in February. Like the moment those go on sale. That looks incredible. The moment, the last moment, every every good comic movie moment has that last beat. And seeing the fully encapsulated, full horns, the crown, crown, sword, that image... For me, this is more Mike Mignola. I know that I love the Ron Perlman. This is no disrespect to the Ron Perlman franchise. I love Guillermo del Toro. Things change and evolve. To me, this is more what I picture when I read Mignola. So it was dark. It was gritty. It was almost like a grim fairy tale. It was all the things that when I flip through those pages, his style of art is so bold. He draws with such strong lines. To me, it always felt Mm. more horror. So I love the GDT, but I always thought that had horror plus fun, a little more like 60s, 70s comic elements to me. This is just that grim fairy tale, and I really like the the style of film. Okay, except that they're clearly also, and I'm interested in this choice. I, this, so the trailer, like, I was already on board, so I'm not the target audience of this trailer. I'm buying my ticket. Um, But it's interesting that they've chosen, they've, they've, in advance, they've talked a lot about how they're doing a darker, more horror take, and they led with an action comedy trailer. And that's what I was going to say. They led with, it's, it's very funny. The, the whole fit, the feel and the theme of it, it's action comedy. The song choice is designed to be like, hey, you're going to have a good time watching this wacky romp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm always down for a wacky romp. <laughs> but it is, it, it, it's an interesting, I, like, I certainly think that that is in part just a trailer. Like, surely the movie is going to try to have a lot of fun. But it is clear from the visual choices that they're making that, like, this is supposed to be a story with stakes. These are supposed to be really cool-looking monsters. Uh, that, But, like... So so it's interesting cuz like the there was some good banter there it's it's not sort of a plus can't wait to watch all of these mm-hmm. like characters spark off of each other but it's just one trailer you never know um so I'm I am on board but, like, it, I don't know. What did you think of the comedy approach? I think this trailer is bridging from the Hellboy Association. The first two films have so much of that amazing comedy. I love those two movies. So I think it's going to get more horror as we go along. I think each trailer is going to get more horror, and we're going to build up. Oh, so I think they're going to sell it as we get to the third trailer, not the first. The first has to go, hey, we know those Hellboys movies that you like exist. Here's this movie. But all the visuals are clearly horror-inspired to me. Here's, here's the issue you just said for me. By the time we get to the third trailer, I become less and less of a fan of multiple trailers mm. because I feel like multiple trailers give you multiple plots and different things of the film already. It, it takes away from it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, give me this trailer. That's the action comedy part. Give me the next trailer that shows the horror and that's it. I'd love that. Studios you see what I'm saying? It. Yeah, they're not going to do it, but that would be it. That's what, that's what you need to show. Mm-hmm. One shows the horror. One shows the action comedy element. Boom. That's in, that encapsulates your movie. Now let the audience go to see it. But like Amy said, I'm not the targeted audience for the trailers. Because I'm going to go see it. Yeah, we already know about the movie. We already know it's coming up. We're already prepared with our ideas about how this take is going to be right. similar different. And it probably, probably that sort of zippiness that they're trying to put into this trailer is designed to sort of say, like, look, we, are, we, we aren't trying to replicate what was done the last time, which is sort of letting the kind of... Or it, what's funny is, okay, we remember those films as sort of fantasy epics. They had lots of quippiness and mm-hmm. lots of mm-hmm. uh, different... The stuff, like, and the horror elements and all that stuff. But I think they were trying to be... They wanted to make sure this felt like a movie for 2019. They wanted to make sure that people are like, this is us having the time of our lives doing our thing. Um, And, you know, I'm going to come around on the long hair eventually. I think it looks very comic accurate, and I also think that <laughs> I, I don't want another Endgame trailer, for example. Yes. But I'd like to not never no more. I want to just go in. I, but Aquaman's third trailer is the closest to the movie, so they had to get the CGI ready. They had to establish what the tone was through press screenings I and mean, through, through yeah, like, yeah, fan screenings. Yeah. So I think Hellboy might do the same. Like the trailers evolve as the audience gets more prepared. That's the only reason I like multiple trailers. But there's also times where we're already sold, like Endgame, where it's like, please no, 
That's, like, that's, I'm, I'm done. So we're, we're definitely not the audience for the trailers for Hellboy, but at the same time, I'm very intrigued by this in motion. I'm also with Amy. I'm not sure how I feel about the man bun. I'm not too sure. He's got in I know, sometimes. I know, but it's just like, I don't, I want somebody to say something about it. If there's not a reference about his man bun in this movie. I'm going to be <laughs> So we just literally got that trailer during the interview uh, rollout. Buying our tickets right now. So, so we'll be in. right back. <laughs> Let's get this bus mount. But we also have all the comic of the weeks to talk about. We got our pull list got coming at you. Got thrown off by the Hellboy. I just it rattled my brain. Now I know. I'm resume. so excited. And I do love the music choice. Okay. Anyway. So our first poll of the week is an indie book that I am a big fan of. It is Brian Michael Bendis and David Max cover number four. I powered through the first three. It is an incredible pickup cover. We'll talk about it. All right, and for the second week in a row that a, a te- comic book company completely nails the timing uh, after we had Miles number one hit last week, a brand new run with a new writer on Aquaman starts this week. It is issue number 43, but it is a new run. It is a new beginning. Uh, it is uh, part one of the story, and it is Kelly Sue DeFreakin' Connick uh, doing her first regular superhero work in a while. And uh, you know her name because she has left an indelible footprint uh, over on Captain Marvel, done a ton of amazing indie stuff, uh, did a... You know what? People slept on her Osborne miniseries, but get on it. Uh, Aquaman 43 hits this week. Well done, DC. Fantastic timing. If you have a thirst for underwater adventure, go check it out. That was a long plug. Sorry. We also have Spider-Man number five, which is great timing because it is much like Spider-Verse, except it's the end of the run, so you'll soon be able to pick up the trade, or if you buy floppy comics like you should, one, two, three, four, and five... Pick up this run. It ties into the world of Spider-Verse. It involves all those characters you know and love from the movies. Also, very good timing, so pick up Spider-Geddon. Number four is Life of Captain Marvel number five, the rewriting of her origins. Um, I'm really excited to see how this lands because I... I, I don't know. I'm just really curious about what they're doing in this series. Um, but shout out to this cover, all the covers for Marvel this week. Uh, you are going to get a little verklempt when you walk into your comic book store because they're all Stan Lee tribute covers. And they're, every comic that came out from Marvel this week opens with a few black pages. Uh, and the back is Stan's soapbox. And honestly, mm. it was, it's really moving. Um, so I just you can see it in that preview up there. All of them are going to have it, but the previews were released at different times what's number five number five is killmonger number two if you love killmonger from black panther and if you love the world of killmonger dive in deeper because they're exploring his origin in a way that i've never read in the comics they're letting the character breathe it's his own take it's his own story i was really impressed with the art and the writing in issue one so i'm really excited for issue number two and we have one more which is the trade of the week there is a collected edition coming out that is the entire charles soul javier Polito she hulk run just a couple years old um, one of my very favorite runs, and this is the one that if we friggin' still had a Netflix uh, superhero universe and they were going to do another show that they needed to look at for She-Hulk's lawyer show. Aaron Sorkin scripted Michelle Rodriguez starring. That's what I want. I want a, I want a lawyer Michelle Rodriguez written by Aaron Sorkin as a procedural. I don't know if I want to see Michelle Rodriguez have to try to keep up with every single word that is on that page. Because, you know, Aaron Sorkin is like, you say, you say everything the way it is. He writes or, like my brain. Like, yep. Like, you say it exact way it's written. And Michelle Rodriguez, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Blunt's my number two. Emily Blunt, I think, can also, like, handle some Sorkin. Now, do you think she can handle being She-Hulk, though? I do. Edge of Tomorrow, Emily Blunt? I think. 
Okay. Now, that's another show. Yeah. Now, I need to talk about cover number four because – do you have a – Gina Torres? Ooh. That's who I was thinking about. I like Gina Torres too. Yes. All right, so that's our fan casting for She-Hulk. Now, uh, <laughs> my number one pick this week is cover number four. I misspoke a second ago when I said indie book. I meant indie-styled book. This book is a DC comic, but it feels like an independent. DC let these guys have a lot of leash to play with. I love this title. David Mack is taking some incredible art choices. The book is like no other comic I've read. It plays with panels and storytelling very differently. It plays with art styles differently. It's telling multiple narratives through multiple art styles. There are times where it goes uh, into a Japanese painting style, back into an American painting style, into a more comic style, and all of the art represents a different tone. So it's almost like when you're watching a movie that has different time jumps and they change the aspect ratio or they change the film stock or any of those styles, but in a comic. So it's playing with narrative in a very interesting way. Plus, it's Brian Michael Bendis' dialogue, so I cannot recommend this book more. It's been one of the more uh, bold books I've read in a very long time because the story goes in, in a lot of different directions, and you think it's going one way, and it'll veer each issue. And it's within the world of comics. The person they're writing about is a comic artist, so it's also very meta and aware, and it takes chances. It's a spy Comic-Con movie book. All of those things. Check it out. <laughs> That's a fantastic recommendation. Was there anything on this list that jumped out at you the or spider, anything you want to plug? Spider-Gin. Spider-Gen, to see the conclusion of having all the spiders together, knowing I was reading what, is, what it's about, be, having someone being betrayed, some people would die. You want to see the conclusion. And again, just seeing this, just seeing Spider-Verse. <laughs> like, I need to know what happened. Yeah, that, Spider-Verse, that's what I'm pointing to. <laughs> just, just, you know. uh, but having just seen that, I want to know how it concludes and how everything comes together. Heck yeah. So, a lot of good books this week. I'm very excited. Uh, I know Life of Captain Marvel has been a very interesting take of the rewriting of Captain Marvel. I'm curious how it finishes out. I haven't read five yet. I'm really excited. I also haven't read five. I'm just putting it on there because this matters <laughs> for the future and uh, because I'm going to be glued to it one way or another. Totally fair. So, until next week, stay sweaty. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So, pick up your McCafe iced coffees... Close your eyes and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Give the gift of well-being with Spa Finder, the world's best-selling spa gift card and the perfect gift this holiday season. From family members and friends to those last-minute coworker or client gifts, Spa Finder gift cards are a convenient and thoughtful option you can't go wrong with. The Spa Finder network includes thousands of spas, salons, and fitness studios all over the U.S. with services like massages, blowouts, mani-pedis, even yoga. Or check out the Spa Finder wellness shop to buy skincare, beauty, and wellness apparel from the comfort of home. With SpaFinder, the possibilities are endless. Gift some me time to someone you love and pick one up for yourself along the way. Go to SpaFinder.com slash podcast 15 to save 15% off gift cards of $100 or more. Or enter the promo code podcast 15 at checkout.